Um, hi guys, I'm Casey and I'm an alcoholic. Hi Casey. Hello. Um, let's see. My home group is the Balden Noon Meeting. I um, sobered up coming to those meetings um, every day, usually. Got to a meeting every day. Um, my sobriety date is September 23rd, 2015. And it didn't start on that day. Um, I mean, when I first got here, like a year into getting sober, my original sobriety date was the 22nd, and I um, looked back at some messages of some friends that I was texting with, and I was, I was fucked up on that day. So I had to change my sobriety date to the right day. That's a testament to how, you know, I was not okay when I first got here, for sure. I was like, I was a broken down mess. Um, so I was born in Austin. I was born at Seton Hospital, and... Um, wasn't raised here. I was raised in a small town um, outside of Austin called Rockdale. And um, my childhood was, I mean, I had a pretty good childhood, I'd say. Like, my parents were, they taught me to love and to forgive. Like, to this day, like, we don't have um, family, like, problems. Like, we get over shit pretty, you know, like, if we piss each other off, we work it out sort of thing. So um, I'm, I'm thankful for that childhood I had. Um, my, pa my parents were partiers. They were like party animals. They liked to, they were so young when they had me. My mom was like 23, I think. So my, um, yeah, so they just, they partied all the time. So they weren't home a lot and kind of showed me what to do, you know, like whenever I turned well, growing up in a small town anyway, it was pasture parties and keg stands a lot. And, you know, I always, like, wanted to be the one that could stay in the keg stand the longest for some reason. I don't know. So, anyway, I don't know if anybody else ever did keg stands, but they get you drunk really quick. And so I think that was, like, the whole purpose of that was to just, like, not feel what I was um, feeling all the time. I... Um, Played sports. Um, sports was a big part of my childhood. Um, so, like the team, the team sport thing was big for me. Um, from four until I was like fourteen, I played soccer, and we actually won state in soccer um, for Casa. And then when I hit high school, I started drinking. Um, I started going to like party with my sister in College Station too, cause she's an Aggie. Y'all forgive her, but <laughs> so yeah, she. Um, I was like going up to College Station. Like my parents would drop me off at parties there, and I remember that was the first time I saw like the chaos. Like, and I loved it. You know, like I saw my first line of cocaine, and like I saw people just um, partying. Like she was dating a guy from Friendswood, and that was like ritzy woo you know like I don't know anyway um so yes I was like partying with my sister um and playing sports through high school like I mean I, and I was serious in sports like I, I played um volleyball basketball and tennis and in basketball I actually still hold a three-point record in um Rockdale I hit seven out of ten threes in one game so, like, I'm pretty proud of that still. Like, you know, being 20-plus years withdrawn from high school, the record's still there. Um, so it's cool. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, um, playing sports definitely kept me out of a lot of trouble. Um, I would have gotten to gotten into a lot more trouble. I did manage to get like um, three or four MIPs in high school, like just already getting in trouble with the law. Um, yeah, and got I was smoking cigarettes by like 16, and so I got caught smoking cigarettes by my coach, and they made me run like 20 miles, um, and then I could play sports again. Yeah, I know, and I remember she misspelled cigarette in like the, the letter I had to like sign, and I was like, what an idiot. She misspelled a cigarette. But um, yeah, so um, continued to drink. Like I attempted, I moved to Austin at 17 um, out on my own, whoa. Um, that's when I found heavier drugs, like, and just really immersed myself heavier into the party scene and attempted to go to ACC and did not make it very long. So I got a job. I went to bartending school, which I thought was, like, going to be really good for me to do. And so I ended up becoming a bartender because you can do that at 18 um, and in Texas. And um, so I started working at Red Lobster and up on 183 and. Um, Chevy Chase up there and um, so I bartended for a while um, met my husband-to-be bartending there um, I was married at 22 <clears throat> let's see at 19 I moved to South Carolina and um, worked worked and paid bills there and then at 22 I was married moved back to Texas got married and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we were married for four years, and I had my daughter, Kaya, and our daughter, Kaya. And, you know, if you, like, are sitting here, and, and I can say for me, like, having a child did not stop me from using drugs and alcohol. I mean, I really, really wish it would have, but it really just, I started using drugs harder whenever I had, after I had my daughter. I mean, it was, like, pretty heavy all the time. Um, um, drugs played a big role in my divorce. And so, yeah, um, at 27, um, I was divorced. I had a two-year-old daughter. Um, or 28, I was divorced, I guess. I had a two-year-old daughter and was pretty heavy into drugs. And I was not emotionally stable by any means. Um but then I met a guy, um, many guys after I got divorced. It was like, I mean, it was like predators come on in, you know, I guess I felt like, it was like for real, like, you know, like I was so emotionally fucked up, like, you know, well, I met a dude who really took me through the ringer in the meth world. So that happened and I have a severe, severe case of PTSD because of it. Um, and that's when I was first introduced to AA, though. So that's the light of all of this. I um, CPS was called on me, and right, rightfully so. Like, I was a fucking mess. Like, I was a mess. Um, and so they required that I go to my first AA meeting. So, and being from a small town, I go in and, you know, I pretty much, you know everybody in the meeting, you know, and it's, it's cool. It's kind of like here, I guess. You know, you walk in and we all, like, we're all different. And I might not know your name, but if you're sitting here, you might think you have a problem with alcohol. And uh, I definitely have a problem with alcohol, so we all have that in common, you know. Um, but So CPS brought me into the rooms, and um, 
didn't keep me in the rooms though. I I ended up um, just working odd jobs and um, oh, a lot of arrests have been happening throughout this whole thing. But you know, it's the insanity of it. You know, I was strapped to a crazy chair and whatever, all that shit. You know. Um, I ended up totaling two cars in like a matter of like a week and a half, drunk both times, and they were severe wrecks. Like, and man, I can only imagine what I was putting my family through every time I did that. It's like, fuck. Like, my dad would drive me around to like see the car in the morning because I'd always slither away. Like, I somehow got away from those wrecks, you know, and like just seeing like my dad see me like, um, looking at the car and he was like child I don't know how you're still standing here but you know you are so anyway after that second one um I totaled it was really bad I ended up safe somehow concussions I'm sure but um I mean I had knots on my head but um I ended up going to treatment um I was like I've got to do something like that was like my first bottom I think to where I was like something in my head said you've you've got to do something or else you're going to kill yourself, you know? Um, and it was really just no way to live, living like that. Um, so I went to treatment. I went to Austin Recovery, and it was when it was at Cross Park. Well, first, like, I want to give a shout-out to, like, NA24 because, like, they took me in, um, and I stayed. I was housed at Helping Hands for 30 days before... I went into um, AR, so that was they were a huge help, and that program's still there. Um, I know they still help a whole lot of people. Um, so I went to AR, and that was like the first time I'd ever looked inward at myself. I feel like I'd never taken the time to like really look at myself. Like, you know, the team sports were over. Um, that really affected me heavily, like, after that. Like, I just kind of dropped off on my own, you know? And um, I think I was just realizing, like, oh, my God, like, team sports are done, like, at 28, you know? Like, holy shit. Yeah, I know. Like, it's crazy. Um, so I just – it was, like, the first time I had ever looked at myself in a different light. And I came out of that treatment center, and I was, like so, – I was just – I was on fire to stay sober for sure. And – I, you know, the whole time I was writing a guy that was at the ranch, you know, like, totally, like, I don't know, just, like, I guess, I don't know, not willing to, I was just not willing to do whatever it took to stay sober, you know, or listening to people in meetings because I was, like, totally into guys the whole time I was sober for that nine months, you know. Um, but I didn't drink or use for nine months, and that was, like, a huge, huge deal for me. And, like, just learning a little bit about myself was big, too. It's scary to look in, inward, you know, to look at yourself and to try to figure out. For me, it is to, like, figure out who the fuck you are, you know? Um, so, let's see here. So, I've been introduced to AA, like, been sober nine months. I'm riding my bike to meet my sponsor, at Bolden House when it was down there on South First, like not where it is now though, like further this way. Was it on? Anyway, it's an old Bolden House and uh, Bolden Creek. Um, and I got into a bicycle wreck and um, 
I shattered my elbow. And that was like the second time I had shattered that same bone. So it's kind of like, fuck, man. And I got up off of my bike, and my first thought in my head was not that my, my arm's hanging by a couple of threads here. It was, I'm going to get pain pills. That was my first thought from getting in a bike wreck. Like, what the hell's wrong with me? Like, all right. Um, so, so that happened, and I got pain pills, and I started taking pain pills again. You know, I was in a sober house, too, and... Um, I started taking them more than prescribed. Of course, I'm like it, like awake, it like awoken this like inner beast of that I had, like you know the phenomenon of craving that the book talks about. And I started th- telling myself, well, as long as I don't drink, I can do like other drugs and I'll be okay. I'd also gotten into a relationship at this point, um, which is not suggested to do. I mean, I think it's finances and romance that'll usually fuck you up in like the first. Um, year. I also didn't cuss the first time I sobered up. But now I'm like, what the fuck ever. So I just cuss. I just cuss a lot. So I like the word fuck. Sorry. Um, um, and so, um, God, where was I? Um, okay, met guy. Oh, yeah. So I started using, like, harder drugs again. And I was like, as long as I don't drink, I'm okay. And I knew it, like, the whole time. If I drink, I'm, like, I'm screwed if I pick up that first drink. And I picked up that first drink. It was like there was, like, an IPA out, and I never had an IPA. And I was like, I really want that IPA. You know, I want to know what that tastes like. Well, I drank an IPA, and I proceeded to drink about, you know, how I do, like, 20 more. And I hadn't like burned all my bridges at that point because I had nine months sobriety so like some people got me home I blacked out like the first time I drank again it was like crazy and I missed my daughter's um kindergarten graduation you know like shit I can't take back and it's like really fucked up but I I'm you know I'm an alcoholic and if you if I'm don't continue to grow along spiritual lines and try to grow and be uncomfortable, then that shit's going to catch up with me again. Like, I have to, like, continue to do the shit. Um, So I continued to drink um, for five and a half more years, six more years, um, which is really just baffling to me. Like, I don't know how in the world I let that go on for so long. And I started dabbling in the meth world again. And I was like, what the hell are you doing, child? You know, like, no. (laughs) Like, that's what really fucked your head up to begin with. Like, you can't get back into this world. And so I knew, you know, this this bottom was, like, completely different from the first one. It was, like, the first one I totaled two cars. I was beaten down. But this time I was, like, I was fucking broken. Like, I my emotions were just, I was just broken. Like, and... It was just just completely different. Um, so, um, I ended up going to Osar again. Um, but I want to like bring up step two in all of this. Like this is like when I realized that God was like always there with me and had never ever left my side. Um, I was like, I worked at Wheatsville for a little while, and um, a lady that worked there is a substance abuse counselor, and she's like, I'm leaving to go pursue my career, and I was like, oh, that's badass, you know, congratulations, and I was like, just joking around, and I was like, you might see me one day, you know, just ha, 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 laughing, 
And she was like, I hope not, you know, and and then I'm, um, there she is, yeah, Osar, like I'm sitting out there because I don't have insurance or anything, which what, I'm so happy that place is there too. Um, she's walking up and I'm sitting out there at 8 a.m. and I was just like, okay, God, you know, like, all right, you got my number, like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like take it easy from here on out and just, yeah. So that was just a very much a God moment for me, like seeing her. And I didn't have to really tell the intake lady very much because the other girl knew me. She couldn't see me as a, a patient but or an intake counselor, but she told the other lady that if she needs help, she's not full of shit, you know, help her. So it made it a lot easier um, for me to get help again. But I um, didn't go to inpatient this time. I went to outpatient. Uh, at AR off of Congress, St. Elmo over there. And um, I needed some structure in my life again. I was lacking everything, lacking structure for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm back to treatment at 38 years old. Um, I started going to meetings again. Uh, the Bolden Noon was like the one I came to all the time. I didn't have a job, so it was like I could go to any meeting anywhere. It was like pretty nice, you know. And I remember the like the first time I heard like somebody read the traditions and they say a hole. I was like I giggled a little bit, and that's the first time I had laughed in like six years, you know, <laughs> since I'd started drinking again. Like oh yeah, like there's a guy you sit over there and. Anytime, you know, they, you'd read that and they'd say a-hole and he'd say a-hole, like after, and it just made me laugh. Yeah, it was great. Um, so I started going to meetings again. Um, I got a sponsor, like right away. I didn't even know the chick. I was just like, hey, she didn't share at the meeting. It was just like what I was told to do. And so I was just like grabbed her and after the meeting, I was like, hey, will you sponsor me? And she was like, yeah. She asked me if I was willing to go to any lengths to stay sober, and I said, yes, I am. I'll do whatever it takes to stay sober, because the way I was living was not cool at all. It was uh, tearing my family apart, and it was, like, killing me. So, um, I yeah, so I continued to come to meetings. Um, felt like I'd worked a pretty sufficient step one, because, um, and I continue to, I mean, just like coming over here today is like, you know, this, this shit isn't about me anymore. It's like, but, you know, the thought of like wrecking my car instead of coming here and sitting in front of y'all and talking to y'all, like definitely crossed my mind. I know, I'm a sick puppy. I know. Um, so I was like, I just really, this is so going to be so uncomfortable, but it's not about me anymore. So I'm just trying to, yeah. Um, step two, like I said, like that being in the front of that OSAR and seeing that lady again was like enough for me to realize that God had never left my side. I'd left his side. So, um, and my belief of what my higher power is, is like always changing. It's like, it's always growing. Um, I talk to my higher power all the time. Like if I'm really uncomfortable, I'll mumble. I think it's okay to mumble. <laughs> so, um, I work in the like service industry, so I'm out in the public a lot and have to interact with people, and you know it's it can be tough. Um, um, I worked step four the first time, and when I did that, I felt like 
didn't get much relief, really. And so I got another sponsor, and I rewrote it and worked it again. And I got a little relief, and then I rewrote it again and got another sponsor. And um, I got a lot of relief that time from step four and um, went home and sat down for an hour after I wrote that fourth step because she likes to do things by instructions in the big book. Thank goodness I met her. And uh, I realized how selfish I was. Like, oh man, like this pretty selfish here. Like my perspective, my perspective had shifted a little bit and I think that's what this program, you, it has to happen. It's the spiritual experience, you know? It's like, it's vital to our survival. Um, to live happily, I feel like. Like if I don't do this, like I'm gonna be miserable. And believe me, I am a complete bitch to my husband sometimes, and I like I have to make amends to him all the time because it's not his fault. Um, so let's see. So I did the step five that last time, and it was amazing. And you know, I still do inventories all the time because my my like when I look at myself and like I praise myself, like I don't see what's what's really going on. You know, like my defects are usually glaring. I wish that I could see like when um, my defects were um, really bad, but I can't. It's like I have to have them pointed out by um, my sponsor. She helps me so much, you know. And she changes my perspective on what the fuck's real. Um, so yeah, my men's were pretty powerful. I still have some amends to do, you know, you're, if you're like two years into this thing. I mean, I, I fucked a lot of shit up, so I see people all the time that I have to make amends to, but I don't do that immediately. I'll always like see them, and then like I'll call my sponsor and say, hey, you know, because I have to check my motives. My motives aren't always like good, but a lot of employers, like I just, I think I caught out of work one day to go fly a kite, you know, like, okay, no. Um, so, yeah, I, one of men's process that was really special to my heart because I, um, well, I worked at a restaurant and this guy's in the program too. And so the men's was somewhat simple because he understands the insanity of this disease. And so he was just like, I forgive you, Casey. He's like, but I, I request that, you know, you think about coming to church with me. And I was like, okay. Or he didn't say with me, just like, come to my church, period. And I was like, all right. So on Easter, I went to his church and I just, you know, strolled up by myself, got on the golf cart and like got into the congregation. And, you know, I was standing there and like before the service started, there was like families all around me and this lady next to me, like, family of like eight or nine people just reached out and grabbed my hand and it was like oh my gosh like my heart just like grew like so much because it was like so beautiful and it was just like there again was God showing me like um you know you keep doing this stuff and doing the next right thing and everything's going to be okay you know your heart can heal again so it was awesome um and I don't know if I told the guy that that happened to me yet, but, and I also like saw, like anytime I'm out and about and I see people in the program, it's like a bonus. Like, I'm like, even if y'all don't see me and I see y'all, you know, 
It's like so cool, you know, like I love that. Like I'm not going to come up to you and be like, oh my God, what'd you think of that meeting today? You know, I'm not going to do that. But it's like, it's just like, it's really nice just to see it kind of center. It's not kind of, it centers me again. And it makes me think about like what is real in my life. And I'm really an alcoholic. I cannot drink. Um, So my only option is to keep doing this. Like that's, and, you know, it's becoming not so bad. So, pretty cool. Um, like, yeah, like, I'm going to take drum lessons coming up. Like, and I do... I'll tell you why I'm doing that. It's because, like, my energy's all fucked up. And, like, um, Tibetan... Like, I started doing Tibetan singing bowls with Marilyn. And, like, we... Um, I'm telling y'all, it affected my nervous system, like, in a very cool way, and I could actually take the world lightly, and, like, so, um, so I think I'm missing, and even, like, going to listen to, like, cellos play, or, like, any instrument, and that vibration, it really, it affects me, like, really, really heavily, so I'm, I'm gonna take drumming lessons, like, whoa, at 41, I'm gonna start taking drumming lessons, but... You can do these things, like, once. You can do these things, like, a day sober. And if you're here and you're a day sober, you're giving somebody else hope already. It's, like, it's a beautiful thing about this program. Like, I saw it one day, you know. I was at a meeting at Northland, and there was a girl, like, next to me that had seven days sober. And we were all passing around a sheet of paper that you write your number on for people to call if, you know, they think about drinking and, you know, the girl next to me is like seven days sober helping the other person in the room that has, that just came to her first meeting. And it's a really beautiful thing to be part of this fellowship. And um, honestly, I don't work a 10th step like I should, but uh, that's something that I can, you know, improve on. And it's good that I, I can improve on it, you know, like I, I don't have to drink over, I don't have to drink over shit anymore. The obsession to drink has been removed, and that is a fucking miracle. Granted, I didn't go to bars for the first, you know, year and a half of my sobriety. You know, what's that saying? You hang in a barber shop long enough, you're going to get a haircut? I totally agree with that. Like, if, if you, like, if you just put yourself around that shit, you know, you're eventually going to be tempted to do it you just I just removed myself from it altogether I changed my playground and my playmates and those people didn't want to see my ass anyway so it was like really easy they're like done with you I was like okay I'm done with you too love you um but uh yeah so I do uh, meditate I do yoga now too it's a big part of my sobriety um but you know this delusional thought popped into my head one day doing yoga. Oh, if I can just keep doing this hot yoga, it'll be okay. Like, I can drink. And I was like, okay, I need the fellowship and I need this program. Because without this, like, I'm completely lost. And I think that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.